Welcome to the Playing Injured Podcast, where we have conversations to help people turn their adversity into their advantage. Welcome to another episode of Plain Injured. We have a awesome gentleman coming on here today, uh, Mitch Lamazov. And Mitch has, uh, has been the first person in his family born in America. Uh, I'm going to let him share kind of where he came from, and, and you're gonna, we're going to unpack that. It's, it's going to be super fascinating. There's a lot to learn there. He also is an excellent performance certified coach. Uh, one thing to call out out of the gates, and we're going to hopefully get a little bit to, you know, into this is uh, that's a two-year coaching course, 150 hours plus of uh, of certification. Junior Olympian Taekwondo, that is freaking awesome, and uh, and then has a has a background in accounting, which is important to note as we as we go through things, and then has a pretty significant some pretty significant injuries, a physical injury that um, really really changed his life. So welcome to the, welcome to the episode. Welcome to the plain injured podcast, Mitch. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having Mason. Thanks for the opportunity and everything that you do to help people learn out of their injuries. When I heard of this concept, I was kind of like, did you make this for me? Cause I got a lot of injuries, you know, we can go emotional, physical, you name it, you know, just rattle it off. So <laughs> try to keep it to 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, the, the issue, like, uh, we were talking about before we, uh, hit record is we all have a little bit of ADHD on, you know, you and I, and probably the majority of our audience too. So we gotta, we gotta keep them entertained and, and, and jump topics. And, um, you know, if you're watching this, hopefully, uh, hopefully you're, you're getting entertained by, by Mitch's, uh, Mitch's face. Uh, here as he uh, as bad way, whichever. <laughs> Doesn't matter. And, and if you do, if we do get boring, or I kind of, you know, aren't keeping up with it, something that's my saving grace, if you have the ability to fast forward, like audio to do at 1.25 speed, 1.5 speed, I listen to all my podcasts like that, just forces my brain to stay engaged. And I absorb information faster. I love it for the ADHD people. And it's just kind of comical when someone else hears you listening to it. And that's gibberish. You know? Absolutely. I'm a genius. Continue. Wow. There's coaching tip number one, folks. One down. I hope you're keeping score today. It's going to be a high scoring game. Get a buzzer going. <laughs> All right. Here, here's what I want to, I want to hear about. Um, tell us about how you were raised and how you became, you know, kind of through the accounting, you went into accounting but you're not your average accountant. And I would love to hear, let's, let's jump into that right away. Um, and then we'll, we'll pivot into an injury and we'll keep moving here. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a degree in accounting. I have a degree in finance. Um, couldn't be close in closer at all to the personality style that typically falls under that. And, you know, I didn't realize anything was off until I'm sitting in a classroom full of accountants looking around going, I feel like the ugly duckling here right now. And I just, I interacted, I communicated very differently and I didn't realize what was going on. And a lot of that came from, you see, I'm first born in America. So my parents uh, immigrated here from Soviet Russia. And so in Soviet Russia, 
There were things that you had to act like, you had to be trained and disciplined to become, to be successful. Otherwise, honestly, it's just, it wasn't going to be pretty. And I'm just going to leave it at that. And so because of that, part of the way that I was raised was to be very methodical, to be intellectual, an intellectual processor, to be disciplined, to be able to hit my marks time and time again. Now, being an ADHD promoter type personality, basically your happy-go-lucky puppy dog who gets carried off with the wind, distracted very easily, uh, this was not naturally intuitive for me. And so thankfully by my parents doing the best that they could, they gave me what they thought would be the best possible skill set for me to acquire, but it was pretty much opposite to what was my nature, what was my instinct, instinct to behave that way. And so through that, There was a little bit of combativeness and clashing as I was being raised as a child and more temper tantrums, more uh, times that I was upset because I felt like I was sometimes learning something that didn't naturally didn't come naturally to me. Mm. But the benefit of that when it flipped was I learned something that few people ever have the opportunity to experience, and that's to play in a completely opposite personality style. See, as we grow, as we develop we all have our basically natural instinctive personality style. If you heard Myers-Briggs, DISC, things like that. And so typically a promoter personality as myself could never operate in the real world as an analyst, someone who's an accountant, someone whose train of thought goes from A to B. My train of thought goes from A to Z to D to three. (laughs) So that, that kind of discipline allowed me out of that sometimes challenging upbringing allowed me skill sets and understanding that created a much more balanced life. And now puts me in such a unique niche in my career because I have the understanding and the discipline to digest accounting, complex financial information, but my natural communicative ability, that's more so intuitive that I just had being born allows me to communicate it to people without them necessarily falling asleep. And so the way I gauge if I had a good talk is I, if I've got an evening talk and I actually recently did a small talk to a startup incubator, seven to 9 PM on accounting and finance. The way I gauged the talk was the photo taking at 8 45 PM had everyone awake and everyone looking at me. (laughs) <laughs> that is, I would expect that not to happen for your typical accountant. I'd be out. Yeah. And so amazing parents, but it's a lot of that perception of why are you, what is, what is being taught to you and how can you make something that really doesn't naturally come to you actually one of your greatest strengths and tools in your arsenal. So this is a fascinating thing to to kind of unpack here. Well, let's sit here a moment. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, because we hear a lot about fixed mindset, growth mindset. We talk about that a lot on the, on the, um, on the episodes and, and the podcast. So what's your, do you think your parents were teaching you a fixed mindset when they were teaching you this accounting or, or, or how did you develop now today? You obviously have a growth mindset, but I would be scared to, to be like, Hey, you're, you gotta be an accountant. You gotta think really this way. I'd yeah. be feel like as a parent, I'd be like, I'm teaching them fixed mindset. Like that's. So talk us through what what do you think? Yeah, I think it, it depends on your culture ex, cultural experience and where you're teaching out of a lot of times. So I wouldn't necessarily say my parents had a fixed mindset because they gave me three career paths. They gave me doctor, engineer, and accountant. 
And so, <laughs> and you're doing all three of those. Right now. <laughs> I'm doing all three right now. So I'm completely joking. Mom or dad, if you're hearing this, I absolutely love you. Everything that I am is because of you and the opportunities provided. But the, the pieces a lot of times is, especially if you're different personality styles from your children, you look at if you're, let's say, a driver or you're an analyst and your child is a promoter personality style, they're going to be the promoters are a lot more happy go lucky. They they're more creative. They're more outgoing. They're great at sales, speaking, communicating, these types of things. But and they're comfortable not having the A to B. But as parents and if your personality style aligns with the A to B, you may be raising them out of a place where you want from you, your standpoint, it's, it's variable, but the way the child perceive it, perceives it, it's fixed. Does that kind of make sense? Totally. That is a beautiful point. And so, and I want to put a disclaimer, all of us coaches at my company, we teach out of experience. So I don't have kids, but I'm teaching out of experience here from being the kid in this environment and later on learning about personality styling and how behaviors work and the different dynamics of it all. So just a little disclaimer out there. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. And and I think, you know, I think that's, that's so good that, that variable, I think a lot of times as humans, we want to, we want to um, put things in like black or white or like binary outcomes. Yeah. And I think the reality is, as you're alluding to here, there's just a lot of gray and um, there's a lot of adaptability and agility that we need to have, whether it's in leadership, parenting, whatever the form is. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a lot of gray and I'd say there's areas to lean on the side of caution. And so for me, the fact that my parents were very strict and disciplinary with, with me and my brother growing up enabled us it more so empowered us to be successful and not take things for granted. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of friends growing up that their parents essentially let them do whatever they want. They were okay getting C's in school. They were okay going, going out at night with friends and it really didn't matter. And and so, yes, that led to more enjoyable upbringing to them. But then I look back at the tools and the skill sets that I learned as a byproduct of more so parents that were very involved and set boundaries, healthy boundaries for me to be raised in, allowed me to actually utilize that and build upon that foundation. And so I would say there is a lot of gray, but there's areas in coaching, there's areas in personal development where you're better to lean one way than the other because accountability is much more valuable, even if it's a little bit farther than zero accountability whatsoever and letting you figure it out entirely on your own with no input, no help. Wow. So good. So good. There's a lot of points in there. I could, I won't recap it um, because uh, I think it's, I couldn't handle it mentally. Uh, at this point, I gotta, I gotta go back and listen. So take those away. Let's pivot. Let's talk about playing injured. Yeah. There are some awesome things. So awesome injuries, if there's such thing, awesome injuries you've had in your life. Um, I would love to talk about this. You, you wrote here um, as you were prepping my degenerated neck. Yeah. What the heck was going on there? Give us the story. What happened? Yeah. So I uh, always active as a kid, right? Taekwondo um, years and years to junior Olympics for that eventually transitioned to gymnastics and was training as hard as I possibly could at it. I, I love the sport because of um, the tight pants. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> you said it, they were going to be bad jokes and you just proved 
point true. So uh, because of all the variable events, you're constantly learning, you're constantly doing something new because when you get stagnant on one event, let's say parallel bars, you're all of a sudden learning a new skill um, at on rings. And so there's, it's just never ending excitement, constant training, and you grow, you grow really close to your team, even though not on like a soccer field or a football uh, with a football team where you're really working together to score and to win. Gymnasts still are very supportive of each other, even though technically you're individually performing. Fascinating. I never would have thought gymnastics as a team sport. Yeah, well, for, for me, at least because theory. because you're training as a team, you're pushing, mm-hmm. and when you're when you're out of that um, event, it's up to your team to help you to do that extra pull up, do that extra push up. When everything aches, get back on to recover as a team. I mean, they were my closest friends, mm-hmm. and and what ended up happening was I fell on my face once that I remember, uh, and I and what happened was I was fine immediately after. And all of a sudden I was sitting, watching TV on the couch, uh, had my head rested on the side. And I, and this was in high school, by the way. And I got, all of a sudden I tried to get up and I couldn't move my head. And so my head was stuck. And if you're watching video, it was literally stuck in this position and it was searing pain if I tried to move it at all. And so it was called spasmodic torticollis. I think that's fancy for my muscles. They don't want to move. And it was so I, I screamed, Mom, I can't move my head. She's like, What do you mean? So they took me to the ER. They gave me some sort of painkiller to allow my muscles to loosen up. And I remember getting laughed at at school because I was stuck like this and I couldn't see. So I bump a table in the cafeteria and then wince in pain. So at least, at least my pain caused some sort of humor, you know, <laughs> laughed at, laughed with. It's laughing. Uh, so. Um, but, but that's, that's what happened. And, and eventually it started to get better and then it spasmed again. And this, there was this constant neck pain. Now I thought my team would be supportive. I was one of the leading scorers in junior varsity at the time I was working to, this was sophomore year. I was working to get into varsity and my team actually was non-supportive. They thought I was faking it. They actually turned on me and was like, why can't you just get better? Uh, quit, quit making excuses. Just show up, just train. Oh, no. And so not only did I have the aspect of these people that I trained day in, day out with that I thought were my closest friends, they didn't necessarily believe me in the amount of pain that I was in. They couldn't fully understand it. I was unable to do a sport that I really loved and was stuck in going to chiropractic, trying to recover. And it was, it was pretty miserable for, for a short period of time, realizing what is it that, and whole other point in looking at relationships and friendships and what creates bonds and what's, who are the people that stick through things? And is it just a sport that holds together or is it just the people um, that are actually there in the relationships form that go past that actual activity. And so, but that aside, I, I took up, uh, I, I took up weightlifting to help balance out my muscles. I kept going through chiropractic and I started to have chronic pain, but I thought that was just normal for me. And so I went through all of college, learned how it was bodybuilding, learned about nutrition, was taking care of my body, but constantly had chronic neck pain throughout. It became a normal day of living for me. Okay. Wow. And yeah. Now and you're I, now you're going on probably what five six years of this. 
five, six years of this. Yeah. And then about a year out of a year out of college, I, I went to, uh, I, I decided to go check up with the chiropractor. I thought I was doing okay. And the chiropractor, after I did my x-rays, r- opens the door, runs in and says, have you fallen on your face before? And I, sp- and I responded, yeah, why? And, Come here. Look at this. He, he, he shows me. He's like, here's the spine of a healthy 30-year-old. I was 22 at the time. Here's your spine. Looks worse. Here's the spine of a healthy 60-year-old neck. And here's your neck. And the disc separation looked basically as that of a 70 to 80-year-old person. Wow. And that was about about six, six or seven years after that original neck injury. And so that was what was brought to awareness. And I started to begin going through treatments, but they basically said at that time, there's nothing you can do. All you can do is maintain and preserve it. I said, okay, so I'll do whatever it takes to maintain and preserve it as best as I can. I didn't really want to go through surgery. I didn't want to try out stem cell therapy and bankrupt my parents. And so until additional research, until additional tech comes out, I'm stuck in this position to maintain. But here's where it became even so, more. So wait, yeah. hold on. Sorry, I'll go, go, go. You got to cut me No, no, no. Totally fine. So you're currently in that state still as we yes. speak. Wow. Currently in that state still. Yeah, this is not a happy ever ending. Neck is healed. Yeah. I'm frolicking in the prairies. You know, it's, it's, I'm more so stumbling through the prairie. You are um, playing injured as we speak. As we speak. Yeah. Uh, and like, he's moving a lot for an, for a 70 year old guy. Thank yeah, you. Right. <laughs> I'm maintaining quite well. And, and so the, but, um, what happened was because that arth- I had arthritis there, there was inflammation, there was degeneration, a lot of fancy words that basically says means ow or justifies the pain. And, and because of that, I constantly had this chronic pain that did not allow me to perform at a hundred percent anymore. If I physically did what my body at lower half could do, I'd be thrown out of whack. And so I, and someone who's been full force, hundred percent athlete school at, at full speed, my entire life, I had to consciously hold myself back physically in everything that I did. Otherwise it'd throw me out and I have constant pain. Then what started happening was I had to physically hold myself back mentally, because if I pushed as hard, just working, if stress elevated, my body's reactive response would be to clench up and put me in pain again. And so how much I could put into work was limited. What I could eat was limited, even from the standpoint of as soon as I get inflammatory foods, as soon as I eat sugar, anything like that, and not in moderation or in a very limited quantity, my neck begins to hurt from the inflammatory response to the food. Most people don't feel it because their body's healthy and able to uh, compensate. But because that part of my body is so weak, every time something is not perfect in alignment, red alarm bell, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. So how do you manage? Like, what is your walk us through your thinking? Like, this is not, this is not, I mean, literally every aspect of your life has, has, you've had to adapt and change. Every aspect, even from the standpoint of my dream 
is to be a world-renowned public speaker. And that dream is no longer possible because traveling knocks me out because of the injury from my neck. And so even what I wanted to be when I grew up is now different because of my neck. And so my neck injury is one of the best blessings that has ever happened in my life. How was that freaking? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for next episode. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you next time on Playing Injured. <laughs> okay. Tell us why. No, no kidding. We don't do that to people, but maybe we should. Um, I like that idea. Tell us why. Tell us, give us the points of why that is and, and incorporate in there. You know, one of my favorite questions on, on our, um, when we record is, you know, what does the world need more of and incorporate that in there, Mr. Yeah. And, <laughs> I'm challenging. Absolutely. So, so think about why do people have coaches? Why do people get help from others? It's to have accountability. It's to have check-in because we in our, our own skill set by ourselves do not have the internal fortitude to play at our 100% level all of the time. So true. if you don't believe me, look at every single Olympic athlete. They know their sport better than anyone else on the planet. They're the best at it. Even better than their coach. Even better than their coach. They still have coaches to push them. Mm. My neck. That is a nugget. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Point two. (laughs) Point two. I hope we have more at that count by now. but (laughs) But my neck is literally my lifelong accountability partner and make sure make ensures that I'm playing at 100%. How many of you would like the guarantee that your diet is 90% clean? How many of you would like to the guarantee that you're operating for longevity and consistency not burnout? How many of you would love the guarantee that's going to provide you sustainability and allow you to be 40, 50, 60 years down, still doing what you love to do, still have the physique to do it and the mental strength and fortitude to pursue it. Wow. Hold on here. Another point. And I'm going to broaden this. And I don't know if it's true, but I think it's true. Your injuries in life that are systemic, that continue on, I carry forward can be some of the best accountability partners you ever had. 100%, 100%. Put it on a t-shirt, frame it. You got it. Wow. That's and so what's that? That's fascinating. I'm, that's just I'm mind blowing. Yeah. And so to answer your question, Mason, what does the world need more of exactly what my parents provided me mm-hmm. exactly what my injuries provided me and exactly what coaches provide me accountability. Hmm. We need more accountability in this world to have more people living to their truest potential. Wow. Man, that is so, so powerful. I, uh, I think, you know, to reframe, you know, one, one of the, one of the goals of plain injured is to reframe injury is to reframe failure is to reframe brokenness and trauma. And I think you did a, you did a, honestly, a next level uh, job here, Mitch, in, in really giving us that. Um, one, one last question as we just wind down, really, where we're kind of at our mark here, where, what would you say, um, you know, you obviously have some, some skills, um, some knowledge base, um, you have a team around you, I know that we've talked about, what would you say if somebody wanted to come to you 
um, and, and get some guidance, have some conversations, you know, two things I have, what does your process look like? If somebody's trying to get in touch with you, like, how do they get in touch with you? What does that look like? And, and secondly, where do you feel like you can help people the most? And, and, um, and what does that maybe look like? Yeah, great questions. And thank you for asking them. Best, best way to get a hold of me is connect with me on LinkedIn, send me a direct message. I'll give you my cell. Uh, it's Mitchell Lamazov. I'm sure there'll be something in the description for that. Thanks, Mason. And, and from there, where I like this process starts with a phone call or a video call. It's, it's revolving around hearing why you believe you need a coach or you need help and what your goals are. Really, everybody has, to some extent, something that they're chasing, they're pursuing. And I want to hear what it is to make sure, one, I can serve you. And if I can't serve you, I can put you in the right direction of a coach, a service, a product, something that's going to get you there. And so really, the the process starts, connect with me, message me on LinkedIn. And I just want to take 15, 30 minutes, maybe an hour listening to you. And for what we really help with, what we really serve with is... What makes us a little different with our team at Excellence Performance is all of our coaches are teaching out of experience and we're playing team at Excellence Performance. And so what that means is, is the head communication business coach has 40 plus years of business coaching experience. And so he works out of that. But when you're struggling with time management, we bring in our time management coach and specialist who's got experience in that. When it comes to young adult coaching or behavioral finance, those are my areas of expertise. And so where we really shine is for those individuals who are figuring out, I want to grow my business. I want to grow my life. And I'm, I have these goals, or maybe my goals are a little fuzzy, but I'm not quite sure if I'm playing to my fullest potential. Mm-hmm. And so if you're asking yourself, am I playing to my fullest potential or not? And you're not 100% certain of it message me on LinkedIn. And I would love to be able to communicate and start that discussion and provide the resources of getting you to your full potential and utilizing all the amazing resources of accountability that it has to offer. That is awesome. You guys have what I would call expert practitioners in each specific area. So it's, it's not a one person show, it's a unit, it's a team, you get access to that. And I'm assuming you don't charge to get on a phone call. Get to Absolutely not. Yeah. And, you know, just, just uh, really that, that kind of entry level figuring out, Hey, can we help you? And what, what would it look like if we were able to? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the beautiful things, uh, what Mason does here with the podcast, with connecting with different speakers, coaches is building that network because it's, it's a service based business where, and it's servant heart leadership oriented. And so if I'm not able to help you, um, connecting someone, even with Mason, with his expansive network and figuring out. You've got it. You've got something. You've got a need. You're working on something. Let's make sure we get you with the right person, business, whatever, to to basically fit that puzzle piece right for you. Awesome, Mitch. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on our episode. This will be released, um, and it's going to make a massive impact on people. I'm excited for uh, the cuts and the clips of this on social media, on LinkedIn that you'll be uh, you'll be releasing. And uh, thanks again. You've been a huge blessing to the community. Thank you for having me. Our brand design and strategy is by Tessa at fivefootstudios.com. You can also follow her on Instagram at fivefootstudios. 
Our music is by Lakey Inspired. Go ahead and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And click the five stars to give us a rating. And most importantly, keep playing injured.